You're now listening to the Limerick Post News Roundup, and I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt, and this is where we bring you the week's news in bite-sized portions. I'm now joined in studio by journalist Bernie English. Bernie, how are you? Hi, Keen. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. Yourself? Good. Loving the weather. Uh, yeah, there's a bit of a change in it today now, but uh, I think we were blessed for the last few days, you know. We sure were. Let's yeah. have more of that. <laughs> and uh, I see your story in the paper this week about a, a delegation being sent to the Dáil to talk about Shannon Airport, Bernie. That's right. Um, there's a delegation going from Clare County Council uh, under the auspices of the Mayor of Clare, Councillor Cahill Crowe, in Fall. Now, he's bringing a cross-party delegation to the, the Dáil to speak to the Minister about why Shannon Airport is not getting some sort of subvention when all the other smaller airports are. And he is going to be joined, hopefully, by Minister Jan- or by Deputy Jan O'Sullivan, Limerick Deputy Jan O'Sullivan. As she points out, there's no Labour representation in Clare. So um, she wants to go along uh, both as a Limerick representative and a Labour representative and makes the very valid point that Limerick should also get behind this. this, this, um, this, this well, Shannon is a, a Midwestern airport, so it, it would be good to have representatives yeah, from the counties and, you know, surrounding. I mean, it is, it's yeah. the driver of the area. There's no question about yeah. that. If we didn't have Shannon, we wouldn't have the city that we have. And we certainly wouldn't have the amount of industry that we have in the Midwest. So I think it's it's certainly, it's, if anything, more more Limerick delegations should be going to the yeah. Dáil. Now, the difficulty is that Shannon Airport is having to try to find in excess of 20 million from its own funds um, for essential, basically essential health and safety and repairs and structural projects, whereas the other airports are getting a dig out. And it's entitled to actually get funding from the airport, for, or sorry, from the government under EU regulations because yeah. it has less than 3 million passengers. It took a hit now, it took a very big hit there recently when the Boeing 737 MAX was grounded Well, we lost three routes. Yeah. And that's an awful lot of passengers. Um, it's a huge amount of money. They reckon it's, 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 it's taken 50 some, 50 some million out of the area. Um, and this is what the councillors in Clare were told by Mary Constant, the CEO of the group, when she when she addressed the meeting the other day. So they're all off to the doll, and hopefully the minister has repeatedly told Jan that he won't give the airport any money, that it's um, an independent institution, that it has to run on a commercial basis. But Jan makes the very valid point that you know it is actually and it is actually allowed to get to, to get to get a delegation from a derivation from the government under the eu legislation as you yes, said yeah. yeah um so we've seen airports like uh, waterford for example get an investment or yes. being promised investment recently uh, is the delegation mainly focused on that it's well it's 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 focused on shannon and it's yeah. focused on getting that kind of money and more for shannon um because while Waterford Kerry and those other smaller airports are undoubtedly very, very important in their own communities, in their own areas. They're not an operation of the level of importance of Shannon, yeah. which drives the whole region. And if Shannon starts going downhill um, after all the hard work of, of uncoupling itself from the DAA, we're in real trouble. And is Jan O'Sullivan the only TD mentioned here or is it mainly from the county or... County well, the Council. delegation is driven by is driven and led by Clare County Council, yeah. and as I said, the Mayor of Clare, Cahill Crow. But but Jan wants wants to be part of this, and I'm sure it, when a date emerges, there may be others who will want to get on board as well. So that's one we're keeping an eye on, Bernie. And then uh, over to some heritage news in Limerick Post this week with uh, Limerick Lace. Yes, indeed. Um, Limerick Lace, of course, is a very old tradition in Limerick, and the good news is that. Um, the timeless legacy and importance of Limerick's old craft is to be included in a national invo- inventory of important cultural heritage. 
So Dr. Matthew Potter, the curator of Limerick Museum, is to travel to Dublin tomorrow. Uh, today, actually, now, by the time this comes out, <laughs> for the launch of the National Inventory of Intangible Cultural Heritage. And that recognises Limerick Lace as an item of huge cultural importance, which has been passed from generation to generation in the city. Brilliant. That's uh, some good news for the It is indeed. City, it yeah. is indeed. And we hope to see a revival, maybe, of interest in Limerick Lace as Brilliant. a result. Brilliant. Bernie, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, Keen. Have uh, a good day. Enjoy the lovely weather. Well, I will, <laughs> between the raindrops. <laughs> I'm now joined in studio by Megan Scully, host of the Limerick Post Show. Megan, how are you getting on? I'm great. How are you? Sure, look, I'm flying it. Yeah, we've had a busy week and we were out enjoying some of the sun as well, weren't we? Oh, yes. I think we were the very lucky ones um, on Tuesday because I feel, I feel like that was the last day of the sunshine now that we've gotten a bit of rain and, and dark clouds. But yes, we headed out to Killaloo because Fela... Brian Brew is kicking off and uh, we spoke to Arlene and John and Killian who are all on the committee and then by surprise now you did say it on the drive out you said it'd be lovely to go out in a kayak and get on the water I was like ah yeah whatever whatever (laughs) and then Killian goes guys do you want to come out for a kayak on the water and it was like it's been reading our minds so uh, we um, got to go out on the water and go along the canal and got a history lesson and all about Killaloo and and, uh, I suppose a modern day as well we found out about all the venues and, and everything that it has to offer and I have to say I was almost swayed to move to Killaloo. Yeah, some view out there on the river, isn't oh, it? Oh, it's class. Now yeah. it was great. It was a wonderful day as well. I had a life of luxury, in fairness. <laughs> you were being rowed around the place. <laughs> you got to sit in a boat and take it all in. Where <laughs> I was out there doing a workout as well. Yeah. So arms are a bit heavy today, but I have to say I loved it. It was just any excuse to get in the water. But how amazing was it to see Killaloo from that view? It was fab. Yeah. It looks so good. But it's the same for Limerick City. Anytime I've gone out in the water in Limerick, Limerick just looks like a completely different place again. And I'd advise anyone, if you can at all, to get out into Killaloo or into Limerick and get on the kayaks and see the city from the water. It's class. And uh, you had your Pig and Porter over the weekend. Yes, it was an extremely busy weekend in Limerick. Uh, The Pig and Porter Festival took place uh, on Saturday in the Old Crescent Rugby Club on the Rossbrine Road. Um, There was teams now actually between the University of Limerick as well and the Old Crescent. And my team were in the Old Crescent. We were playing super social and it was a great weekend. Again, really hot weather. Um, We were being told every so often, sun cream, bottles of water, keep hydrated, you know, keep look after yourselves. Um, It was really, really good fun. And of course, went on into the wee hours of of Sunday morning. But it was a lovely time. Um, I'd say there's a few tired bodies after the weekend because there was a lot of tag rugby a lot of running but it was brilliant as always and of course Pride was on as well so I missed that but yeah. I saw all the coverage so yeah. uh, I'm sickened that it was on the same day but uh, I've say I looked all the videos and everything looked great and uh, would you advise people go rowing after a weekend in Pig and Porter I mean <laughs> <laughs> what did I do on Monday I did something on Monday didn't I I'm sure you did. You're you're a busy person. I did some sort of form of exercise Monday. <laughs> Can't remember what I did. Yes, but rowing on Tuesday, and uh, I had the gym then on Wednesday morning, um, a fitness session, and tag training Wednesday evening, and tag again on Thursday. Uh, a final actually on, on Thursday, I say. So best of luck to Knights Tag. My yeah. team are we're in a final. Few, two fi- two of our teams are in finals. Go on the Knights. Neon Knights and mm. Dark Knights. So woo, let's bring home the silverware. <laughs> and what else do you have going on this weekend? What can people look forward to on the Limerick Post Show this week? Well, um, we have, of course, Fela Brian Brew. Um, we also um, have a chat about Limerick going for gold and how they're going for this gold status of kind of like the tidy towns, basically, to keep Limerick clean. And uh, let me see, what else have we got this week? We have a lot, I think. We do. I feel mm. like there's we've so much going on. I just keep saying to people, like, it's great. Limerick is just so busy this time of year. It's, it's not slowing down anytime soon. And the summer is flying. Yeah. It's going so quick. Yeah. Any other crack for the summer? 
Um, I suppose loads of things to look forward to, like there'll be the Rose of Tralee. Uh, I'll have the Galway races myself, which isn't really anything to do with work. Um, <laughs> a bit of filming going on with a few little private projects that I'm not really allowed to talk about yet. Lovely. Those things. So I can't that, wait to tell you guys, but I can't tell you. So we have to keep our eyes peeled for that. Uh, Megan, thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. And I just want to say uh, limmerpost.ie forward slash show for all our video content. And it comes out every... Friday. Friday. Hey, Megan, best of luck. Come in, Margaret. I'm now joined in studio by Sporting Limerick journalist John Keogh, who's laughing away there behind the microphone. How are you getting on, John? All good, Keogh, now. Yeah. All good. You're uh, happy after the weekend or something, is it? You're laughing away. Yeah, nothing to do with the conversation <laughs> before we went recording anything like that. So how was everything going? You were busy last weekend. Busy with weekend of sport, yeah. I was up, um, I was at the LIT Gaelic Grounds Saturday with the Limerick Ladies Footballers. Unfortunately, got off to a... A losing start to their uh, All-Ireland Intermediate Football Championship. Uh, lost by 10 points to Kildare. Craig started the game to two goals, to, no, to a point up after a few minutes only. Goals from um, Iris Kennelly and Mairead Cavanagh. But Kildare, it have to, has to be said, put in a fantastic performance. And Limerick manager John Ryan after the game saying, look, Limerick have to step up to the mark. It's a huge step up having won the Junior All-Ireland last year, but... You know, they're going to down this weekend. You're never going to get anything easy from the Northern teams. But he's hoping they're going to learn quickly on their feet. They're going to have to because if they lose that, they're kind of into a relegation dogfight. Um, needing to win against Sligo the week after to avoid a relegation dogfight effectively. And that's not going to be an easy game. All three teams in Limerick's group at the Intermediate Football Championship are higher than them in the league. In Division 3 in the league where Limerick are... It's a massive step up, four. isn't it? Huge step up in level... The intermediate championship from junior Limerick were kind of a surprise package to win that junior championship last year so obviously they're going to have to learn quickly um, as we said the game played in fantastic conditions Kildare were very 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 polished outfit well able to take scores 30-40 metres out from all sorts of angles three or four players all six forwards scored by, the, by half time three or four players exceptional off either foot very very polished team not saying that Limerick aren't, but they're going to have to learn. There's a lot of things like John mentioned after he was running off the shoulder that Kildare did a lot better than Limerick. Limerick have to learn that and they learn that fast because it opens up space. So hopefully a better performance coming against Down. It, it was a tough weekend in uh, GA for Limerick over the weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I was up in, again in Athenry on Sunday afternoon with the Camogie team. Different kind of thing with the Camogie team. The Camogie team weren't expected to beat Galway. And talking to Declan Nash before and after the game the Limerick manager it was about performance and Limerick put in a fantastic performance up in Athenry okay they lost by five points the goals came at the right time for Galway Limerick missed four or five goal opportunities that if they'd taken there's no question they would have won the game and this is without as well there's another issue here with dual players three players Nia Vrine Roisin Ambrose and Rebecca Delee all played for the ladies footballers Saturday so of course that rendered them unavailable to start Sunday because yeah. you can't be asking and this issue came up before in the it, year it's well. constantly yeah. coming up and not just in Limerick all over the they're like there's girls being asked to play on the same day two games being fixed mm. for nearly the same time ridiculous stuff that needs to be cut out immediately like they just you can't have these things clashing yeah. like I know it's, it's two madness. separate organisations but surely yeah. they have to work together have for the to benefit work, of the they, players they have to work together but Roisin Ambrose and Rebecca Dilley came off the bench and made huge impacts for the Camogie team the following day like and still too, too much in my eyes and anyone's eyes to be asking them to do that anyway but they did and maybe if they had started you know could the result have been different they're very key players for the Camogie side and the ladies football side and Ryan didn't come on but again was centre back 
or in the wing back line for the Limerick's previous senior Camogie game against Wexford. So, you know, players that would be starting ordinarily for the Camogie team. But going back to the game quickly, you know, you did a very good performance from Limerick. And as I, I have to highlight that. It's against the Galway team who beat Limerick 214 to five points in the league semi-final earlier this year. To bring that back to five points is a huge, huge achievement from Limerick. They're playing Kilkenny this weekend. Again, it's away in Kilkenny. It's another step up. Kilkenny, of course, one of the farm teams in, in the All-Ireland Senior Camogie the last couple of years themselves in Cork. Really gone hammer and tongs for the last three or four years. At, at the highest level, you know, Limerick played Kilkenny in the league this year. Only lost by a point. Very good performance. Again, Limerick are effectively assured of their quarter-final place. Outside bet of getting a semi-final place if they beat Kilkenny. But results would have to go their way. And you'd imagine Galloway aren't going to lose their game. So, you know, again, they're going down to Kilkenny looking for, for a performance result. If they, if they put in their best performance, a positive outcome is, is a chance. Of course, there's a chance of that, but... It's a tough place to go when you're Absolutely. A, they're, yeah. they're a seriously polished outfit. Arkel Kenny, you know, Limerick are incrementally improving. That's what they've been looking for throughout. This has already been a very positive campaign. Limerick haven't got to the, or hadn't won, I think, their first two games in the all Ireland Senior Championships since 2005. Hadn't got to the knockout stages in I don't know how long. I don't know the figures on that. So you, you it's positive. Bill on Kieran Carey has been, had made a huge impact since he's come on scene for the championship. You know, it's all positive in comparison to ladies footballers. Look, Limerick are in a knockout place pretty much. Yeah. Ladies footballers have to win a game. You know, as you're saying, it is not the best of weekends, but you take the positives from it. That's it. And they have the talent there to get through it, I suppose. And then uh, sticking with the GA, it was, uh, we know who we're playing in the semi-final now. Yeah, it's Kilkenny. Um, I can't say our old rivals because we haven't met that yeah. often over the years. Obviously, outside of last year's quarterfinal, yeah, fantastic performance by the Cats uh, to knock out Cork. What, what, what do you say about Cork? I mean, Patrick Oregon scoring three ten. Yeah. Alan Cadigan on fire in the forwards as well. But I don't know how he could score three ten and still lose a game. How would that feel? You know? I mean, he was the only one scoring yeah. along with Alan Cadigan. That's the reality of it. Yeah. With Cork, they just didn't perform again, and they haven't won a game in Croke Park in since two thousand thirteen. That was an All Ireland semi final that they got through. You know, it's. How did they get past that? You know, it oh, seems the, to be Croke Park. That's the, the million-dollar question. At the moment, if you look at it, they, they were in the they won the Munster under twenty-one title last year. In the under twenties, Munster final again this year. Um, they lost the Tipperary in an epic final in the Gaelic Grounds last year in the twenty-ones. It's um, they have a lot of young, young, very good young lads coming through again. To answer the question, I don't know. I I I think that the general consensus seems to be that their panel isn't good enough. Yeah. So again, you're comparing everyone's panel against Limerick's at the moment because Limerick are the All Ireland champions and seem to have the best. Their players, the subs that come off the bench, seem to have an impact pretty much every time they play. So, and evidence of that when Cork and Limerick went extra time in the semi final last year. I mean, the iconic image for me when they came out of the dressing rooms for extra time. With Seamus Harnady, clearly injured Seamus Harnady, hobbling back onto the field. Daniel Kearney came off injured with 15 minutes left. He came back on for extra time, clearly visibly injured as yeah. well. So the trust wasn't there in the bench. For obvious reasons, they may not, the management may have been not felt, may have felt that they may not make the impact that was desired. Similar enough thing this year, you know, Cork, it looked like they may have got a few players from the league. Turns out, come championship, there was one or two. They needed four or five. Yeah. 
you know, Kilkenny put it up to them physically, as Kilkenny always will. You know, that's the, that's the first thing Kilkenny will do. But they had Richie Hogan coming back into form. He had some game. Colin Fennelly looking very sharp. Adrian Mullen, who's a new player for Kilkenny this year from Ballyhale, an excellent club championship campaign. Yeah. You know, these guys, Walter Walsh coming off the bench, making an impact, and they're just going. Likes of you, Lawler, all lads now that have been on the fringes, maybe playing bits and pieces in the league. And all of a sudden, the white heat battle at Croke Park, and these guys are unleashed. And Kilkenny come up and score 227. Like. I mean, so, this year as well, this is Brian Cody's, probably his final season. We've said that for a few years I now. I think it may be his last crack at it. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of uh, Kilkenny lads waiting in the wings. It's going to be interesting if Cody <laughs> does go, because you've, we'll talk about Leeson Tipperary in a minute, but you've Henry Shefflin in his first year of management, won an All Ireland club. Twine win the Kilkenny title. He goes on to win in typical King Henry fashion. Um, Eddie Brennan as, as the job Kieran, he's after doing. In as, as Kieran Carey says in this week's paper in his article, like he's he's performed a pure miracle with what he's done in Leash in such a short space of time. And Kieran also argues, and we'll go on to that now. The Tipperary Leash game that that Leash, if they hadn't had that man sent off early in the second half. They brought he, it back to three points. He he reckons you know? it would have they could have turned tip over like so. You have to admire that's purely down to Eddie now. From midfield on, they've a cracking bunch of hurlers. They're one of the best keepers in the country, and then they're Roland. They've really, really just come on. It's great to see another county do that, as in step up to the mark. They they won the Joe McDonough fine. They would have been the favourites for it along with Westmead. Completely blitzed Westmead, and obviously they did what they did to Dublin and followed it up again with an epic performance against Tip down to 14. Okay, Tip pulled away in the end, but you know, you just have to admire what Eddie's, Eddie Brennan's yeah. done. You know, it's it's a fantastic achievement for Leash. Like, they've always had very good hurlers here and there, but he's managed, and the brand of hurling they're playing as well is lovely, and they're, they're cutthroat like he was playing. If it goes on, they'll go for it. Like, they yeah. don't take the easy option of tapping it over, they'll go right at you. On the flip side, and we're not going to, we're talking way ahead of ourselves here about Tipperary. Kieran argues this as well this week. Leash had six very quick forwards, Tipperary sit backs, not the quickest. It's something that Wexford will definitely target. Yeah. Briefly talking about Limerick and Kilkenny. We'll talk more about it next week, obviously, in more detail. In the but lead up, yeah. Very good game last year between the teams, but Limerick should have been out of sight. Missed four or five good goal chances. Owen Murphy made some outstanding saves. But I still, don't think they can do that this year. No, no, they can't. No. Limerick will be fairly confident. They, they give Kilkenny a fair old trimming down in Nolan yep. Park in the league. I kind of out Kilkenny to Kilkenny in the past with about five or six minutes before half time. Limerick scored two, two or three. Finished the game as a contest. You know, Limerick won by eight or nine points in the end, but it was a fairly a fairly um, big gap between the sides eight or nine points was very generous towards Kilkenny and this they've, is a Kilkenny team that uh, with your earlier predictions you didn't even see them getting out of Leinster I didn't see it no, no. I'll be honest yeah I also tipped Adrian Mullen for young hurler <laughs> here, so I'll throw that in just as you hammer me yeah predictions are predictions key. Yeah. You know, you're just I don't think I, anyone saw Kilkenny make it this far just yeah. looking at them in the league and a, yeah. their older players have a lot of minds look you can get at their defence that was never the case with Kilkenny you can get it, their defence. Cork yeah. did it. Their full full back line is not the same full back line that would terrify you. Paul Murphy, still a fine hurler. He's not the same hurler as he was five, six years ago. The other full back line members. You know, yeah. I, I look but that's we'll talk more about in depth that this week, but look it, it it's one that'll whet the appetite. You know, are you looking at 
the new kings in Limerick now. I'm not saying that Limerick have won in All Ireland, but they've won the league. They've won Munster now as well against the old Wiley Cats. You know, yeah. waiting in the long grass. Poor performance against Wexford in the in in the Leinster final. But the biggest and, and most impressive thing for me was they did it really without TJ. Cork bottle TJ read up. Yeah. Effectively on Sunday, and Kilkenny still scored two twenty seven. No need TJ to suck him over from freeze as well, but from play he was kind of quiet. You know, it's it set up to be a cracker. Let's 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 put it that way. It really is that. You know, out of the two semi finals, Wexford Tipperary or Limerick Kilkenny. I know which one I'd rather be watching as a neutral. Yeah, yeah. I'd be watching both, obviously, but I know which one whets the appetite more for me, from purely hurling. What Davy will have in store for Kilkenny is going to be very interesting as well. So look, it's it's it, as you said at the start of this conversation, we know who we have now in Limerick, so it's it's all about the hype and build up from here now. And That's it's, it. It's in full swing already, <laughs> shall we say? So we're looking forward to that next weekend or weekend after. And uh, o- over to the soccer, then uh, Limerick lost to Bray away from home. Yeah, so. Bray Bray closed the gap at the Carlisle Grounds last weekend. Um, Kind of puts a blow towards their steps towards playoff. Yeah, it does. It does. There's not no point saying it doesn't. The last uh, Darren Murphy was going into the game with injury, came off at 15 minutes gone. Bit of a blow losing Darren. He's very, very, very capable and good footballer. Um, young Ed O'Dwyer came on. By all accounts, I wasn't there, but from what I heard, put in a fine performance. But like you said previously on this, eventually injuries are going to creep up, and that is a small squad. Yeah, small yeah. squad. You know, they've they've brought in a couple of young lads. Sean Madigan won. You know, they've brought in young lads back from junior soccer, like um, Alan Murphy as well has come back into the. They've been training away with Limerick. You know, so that that's the reality of the situation. We're not going to harp on in it. Um, performance. Listening to Adrian Finnan's interview with Tommy, it's it's a wider problem. That's what Tommy's highlighting again. Like, is that the frustrating thing? And this this is something that now maybe we haven't touched on a lot. Is that there's a lot of where it wasn't the case four or five years ago. There's a lot of young Limerick players playing around the league mm-hmm. that aren't playing with Limerick. Yeah, for what for a different reasons. We've lost a couple of other players in Will Fitzgerald, Killian Bruder. Cullen Watch O'Loughlin, all academy graduates. It must be very frustrating for Tommy, who's brought all these lads through from his job at the ni- under-19s before he took the senior job. You know, you have these guys gone. You've likes of Ronan Coughlin playing in Sligo, scored a hat-trick a couple of weeks ago. You've Ty Grine. You've these guys, a lot of good young Limerick talent. Joel Custrain was with Shamrock Rovers now. He's joined Cork City. Dara Rainsford, who was with Limerick before, is sub-striker for Cork City. And there's more more on top of that. Like yeah. So... That's a bigger, frustrating, again, a wider issue with, with junior soccer, Limerick, purely on the field again, and we'll, we'll focus on that now. Bray, yeah, Bray have a better squad than Limerick. There's no point saying they don't. Limerick have performed, to quote Kieran talking about Eddie Brennan a while ago, Tammy's performed pure miracles with that team yeah. on the field this but year. We got a result at home against Bray the last time we played, yeah. but the last we knew we were at the game and yeah. we were lucky. They were lucky against yeah. Brett. That was one of their poor performances yeah. at home this season. It's Drahada this week. Again, you're, you're taking on teams that have bigger budgets, that are better prepared. Yeah. Limerick are punching well above their weight at the moment. Okay, they've lost ground now on Cabin Teeley in fourth position and Bray in sixth. They've got closer to, to, to Limerick who are in fifth. But Limerick, are, Limerick can't be expected to get anywhere near a playoff with the squad they have. Because it's not... Yeah. You said it. Injuries are going to take their toll. Suspensions will come into account. They already have. And it's constant. And Limerick are a couple of players. Like if Kieran Hanlon gets injured now, 
on, on Friday with a young Adam Foley as their only other striker. So Adam's come on and has looked very impressive. He's nippy. He's very talented lad, but experience comes in at some he's stage. He's not ready yeah. for this level. Like you see the job Karen Hannan's doing. He's physical. He can put himself about. He can create create space for other players. You know, Adam Foley. He's not the biggest lad in the world. He's very quick. He'd be brilliant to play off red if if the opportunity arose, but. Their injuries and in, in a couple of suspensions away from fielding nearly a full under twenty three team effectively. Yeah. So positives definitely. You know you have to give Tammy his, his credit and we've done that plenty working of times. Working miracles, I think. Uh, Absolutely working miracles. He'll try and work another one against Rada <laughs> Friday night. You may not agree with what's going on with the club off the field, but but try and support these young lads for the future of Limerick soccer. I think it's very important. I think every city deserves a every city deserves once it's yeah. run right and Limerick hasn't been run right bar a couple of years under Pat maybe in the early times Limerick hasn't been run right for a long long time and we're talking decades not years here like so in whatever guys it's been you know so I implore any any supporter of sport to go follow these lads and you may not support the club on what's going on with the club but these lads are given absolutely everything Tommy's given absolutely yeah. everything Dave Rooney his assistant coach who's also the goalkeeping coach who's also the women's coach they're given absolutely everything and you know they're not getting anything for it at the moment no one's been paid at the club at the yeah. moment you know it's 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 drastic drastic off the field what, what has to happen we all know that but what's going on in the field is only positive there's a bunch of players and Limerick's goalkeeper said it to me a couple of weeks ago, you know, they, they're just, you know, they're, they're bursting their backsides to get a result and they're doing it for the future of Limerick FC. Yeah, of course, they're doing it for their own futures as well. And would be remiss not to say that, yeah. but they are giving everything. So I just, if, if you have a chance on Friday evening, try and get down to Marcus Field. And then uh, over to another opinion piece in this week's sport. Yeah, Niall O'Carroll, who's a mental skills coach, he's involved with me, GA, and you've just seen his articles in the Limerick Post and on Sporting Limerick over the last couple of months. He's a very um, interesting one this week, and they're all interesting, everybody. they're very good reads, actually. And I'm not just saying that, they're very insightful pieces. Uh, it's just on the, the refocus skills, or focusing skills, and focus triggers sports people have. He went in depth about uh, about Padraig Harrington's first win in um first open win and the open being on this week I thought it was fairly timely as well. That when Padraig Harrington hit two two shots into the water on the eighteen to Carnosti blew a lead, and he had a chip to get a to get a close to get a, a double bogey I think it was, and he ended up getting the chip but he he, he was talking to his caddy and you know yourself Keen from watching him playing golf maybe not playing golf with a caddy <laughs> but watching you see they take advice from their caddies and the yeah. advice Harrington got from his caddy and brother-in-law Ronan Ronan Flood was this is the same shot as the golf hole you have in your backyard at home so immediately took it put Harrington's mind for him I mean I'm not took his mind out of the tournament I'm at home in my backyard it's an easy shot so that's he put it within six feet, tapped out for the bird, or tapped in for the bird. There's no such thing as a six foot tap in, obviously. But he put it for <laughs> his, his, his double bogey. <laughs> yeah, he put it for his double bogey. Went to play off with Garcia and eventually won the tournament. So it's just, it, it's about them kinds of things. There's a few tips as well for refocus skills and things like that. So it's a very interesting read if you get a look to it. Brilliant. And uh, you're going to watch Port Rush this weekend? Absolutely, yeah. I will be busy watching that. Not doing Lovely. Much else. Who do you think will win that? 
got to fancy guys in form. Look, look, you look at Brooks Kepka and his record yeah. in the, the majors. You just can't discount Tiger Woods now anymore. That's done. I mean, Tiger showed that. Yeah. You know, if Tiger's in the tournament, yeah. he's involved. The interesting one is obviously there's going to be a lot of talk about Rory McIlroy. Just something not right with Rory. Whatever it is, turn thirty. But when you're comparing his form to the likes of Kepka and stuff, yeah, it's, it's a waste just, of time. Because yeah. I mean, it's not there. Rory's won once this year. Um, was recently enough, and he's been playing these. Thought it was a strange decision, decision that he didn't play the Irish Open. A okay, not forget about the ambassadorial stuff and yeah. all that. Purely for links, you're playing Irish course. Okay, you got amazing conditions in the Hinch this year. But the conditions were even better in port in in Scotland, so you don't even get a test of true links. You even, you had a proper links course in the Hinch, yeah. And conditions in Port Rush are going to be aren't going to be pleasant. Like I mean, the weather has changed. We saw we see that today. I was watching some videos during the week, and yeah, you yeah. know, the, the, okay, yeah, it's not going to be the biggest windiest thing in the world, but it's going to be old style links conditions and. I don't know if Rory's game fully suited to links. Anyway, he likes to play a high draw. He likes to yeah. play a high fade. Play the high rather than playing it low. You're you got you can't count out John Ram. Not counting out Rory as well. He could turn around and of course he could win it. He's so good. John Ram, Garcia, Justin was all the same names. Dustin Johnson. I'm not going to give, give a tip because anytime I give a tip <laughs> in golf, in golf in particular, anytime I put any money on golf, waste of time. Matt Coacher. Matt Cooch or Cooch is one I've always betted on and not once has he come in. So Cooch will win it this year. Lovely, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I mean, I still, there still won't be any money. Did you, did you watch the cricket over the weekend, John? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I'd be a big fan of the cricket as well, Keen. And the whole World Cup, actually, as we said, was fantastic. Yeah. There's wider issues with it that there was only 10 teams involved and they're limiting the smaller nations like Ireland um, competing in it. And Ireland need to be constantly competing at that level. Okay, there was qualification, but there, there was 12 teams. Especially when you're trying to grow the sport. You're trying to grow a yeah. sport. Why do you reduce the, yeah. the the numbers? It comes from India. India basically run the, the cricketing thing. But as a tournament and spectacle, it was brilliant. <laughs> but nothing I, I've seen in sport, and there's been drama all over the place in sport this year. It's been a fantastic year for sport already. If anything comes close to what happened in the last half hour of that cricket game, including England's run chase to draw the game with a bizarre thing where Ben Stokes was running and diving for a run. The ball hits his bat, flies off the boundary for another four, which turns into a six because of the two runs. England draw the game as a result a couple of balls later. Crazy madness things. Draw The game is drawn, a World Cup final drawn, having to go to effectively about his extra time in cricket, a super over where teams have won over to get as many runs as possible. That going down to the last <laughs> ball of the Super over, you know, it was just amazing, amazing drama to finish off an amazing tournament, an unbelievable few weeks in England, brilliantly supported tournament. England being led by an Irishman, yeah. you know, and Morgan, who, of course, like people have their own opinions on that. When Morgan, when Ireland were a lower nation, has played for Ireland in the World Cup, you know, has won with Ireland in the World Cup, went to England to play Test cricket. That was his ambition. Yep. Didn't work out Test cricket for him, but he's done okay. One day in twenty twenty, he's he's basically turned English cricket around. The last World Cup where England were a laughing stock, Morgan had just taken over the captaincy, and there was a lot of calls for him to be sacked. In the wake of it, it wasn't his fault. The ECB England cricket board stood by him and said, "We want you to be the guy to take this." England changed their whole strategy around, as they call white ball cricket, one day, one day in 20 over cricket, 
Morgan's been to the forefront of that. He got a record 100 in this tournament against Afghanistan where he scored 17-6 as the highest ever in the World Cup. Turned, he has absolutely led this English team. I mean, I don't know if you saw it, like in the huddle before the Super Over, they were laughing and joking, completely relaxed, completely at ease with what was in front of them. It all stems from his ice cool character. He's a brilliant batsman himself. He's been rightly recognised. Just Ireland's loss as well, of yeah. course, but... You know, and, and it should be celebrated that an Irish person has done won a World Cup. Has won a World Cup and has <laughs> yeah. captained the team to a World Cup. Yeah. In a team full of full of different multinational, diverse yeah, multinational. Yeah. There's a few from South Africa, there's a few from Pakistani or, or, origin, there's a West Indian who's just come into the team. There's a couple of Zimbabweans in there, I think, as well. It's multicultural and reflects yeah. English. No matter what people want, as if we're gone off topic now, we're going <laughs> into the political thing here, but it reflects English society and now it reflects Irish society as well. Yeah. So, I mean, we have to embrace all that. That's fantastic. And ju- just to be honest, it, it was just a fantastic tournament to watch all around. And Brilliant. <laughs> so the cricket will keep growing over here, I think. Yeah, yeah. Limerick Cricket Club, their junior team at the weekend as well, had a great win over Limerick Blasters. And Derby. Brilliant. So, Excellent. Big Derby win for them, the big 100 from one of the one of the Limerick Cricket Club players and you can find out all you want to know on that in Sporting Limerick and all other sports news and minority sports news uh, John Keogh thanks very much for joining us today and for all your sports news podcasts videos and interviews and profiles head over to sportinglimerick.com or limerickpost.ie or follow the hashtag sportlk across all social media channels John thanks very much more than welcome here. I'm now joined in studio by Rose Rush Rose how are you getting on? Um, a number one, Kane. All the better on the back of our foray out to Abbey Field last week. It was a lovely trip, wasn't profile it? Profile the town. Yeah. And huge welcome. And my God, the crunchy content they gave us. Let nobody ever mistake Sleepy um, Abbey Field for Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. Or any other, you know, South Limerick town and village. Absolutely not. And opening up your feature, there was some very good news for the town. Well, you and I got as lucky as a cat with Toomey Halls when we fell over Maurice O'Connell. He's the chair of the uh, Abbey Field Community Council and they do outstanding work. Now, that's not a claim, listener. Um, Let me go into a series of terrific breaks that they've managed to secure in the short three-year lifespan of Abbey Field Community Council. Note the distinction between that and Limerick Council, okay? Um, This Wednesday, news broke that they won an international award. It's a Green Flag Award and the presentation of prizes was last night at Bayantashka in Dublin, in Dublin's Croke Park, I understand. And uh, I'll use Marius's exact quotes, if you don't mind, to put this in context with me. Abbeyfield Town Park has won this Green Flag Award for excellence in presentation and its amenities. And it's a town park that's cultivated with the help of the community employment scheme and the volunteers, as much as any input by its overarching council, Limerick Council, invests in it as well. Um, What Marius tells us is that the International Green Flag Award sees this park added to a list around the world that are deemed to be of exceptional standard. And he's joyful in his response to it. Look, he tells us it was Abbeyfield Community Council that helped them with the application and to source some funding to prepare for same. I'm absolutely thrilled with the green flag win, as for me, it represents all the hard work of volunteers over the past 20 years. 
the hard work of the committee and obviously those in the community employment scheme without whom it would not be a success. I think what's amazing there as well is that that's one of only three voluntary parks in Ireland that received the green flag. And I know they're looking for a good handful of money now to boost it even further. But it's a remarkable achievement yeah. to a town that was so devastated. And an amazing amenity to have out there as well. You know? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and beginning to end, Abbey Field looks incredible. And that's partly on the back of another festival that I, I'll enter in a minute. But look, this, this international award, it's only one of a series of good breaks they've had. Um, last year, we were overall sponsors, sorry, overall runners up in the JP McManus sponsored going for gold competition. And this year, Abbey Field has been shortlisted for Pride of Place. Now, Pride of Place is a national competition. And again, it was shortlisted by Limerick City and County Council in one of the categories for this 26 county competition that rewards incentivized communities. And Mara says, as we go forward to the National Awards of Pride of Place um, hereafter, uh, what follows through then as ACC is closely involved with the project with the City and County Council's Healthy Limerick Initiative. We were shortlisted for a national award there for something to do with Abbey Field Health. And uh, and then he also goes on to credit Tidy Towns itself involved with Abbey Field Town Park. And look, a lot of the progress that is going on in plan for Abbey Field is down to a very good relationship between ourselves, the Abbey Field Local Council, Limerick City and County Council, Innovate Limerick and West Limerick Resources. And there's a little bit more traction as well with respect to the Greenway. Various counties along the coast have a Greenway. And the, you the, tell w- us. the one in Limerick is constantly trying to expand. So you have the Great Southern Greenway and it's linking up with the Greenway in Kerry. So it'll yes. connect both counties. Yes, because Kerry Council has got a, a nice dash of three million now to spend on it. It's going to listow the Abbey Field Greenway, um, which is works as a cycling and tourist attraction. Yeah. People follow in the tracks of what was the Great Southern Railway around the coast. Um what Marius again tells us here is they've got three million to extend it into Listole, which is the next extension, and eventually it will extend back to Tralee. The old railway tracks have been taken up, and it's already a major tourist attraction for cyclists and walking groups. But this connection to Kerry is really important. I think it's brilliant the way this is a, just a town in Limerick that's doing well nationally and getting the recognition it deserves. It's, it's nice to see, isn't it, Rose? Yes, yeah, yeah. Now, I had to abandon our page this week because I we were heading out to Abbey Field yeah. and the, you had plenty of work to do there. I had plenty of work to do there. And let's agree, we, we both delighted in it, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, it was very enjoyable. Yeah. Our thanks to Lean's Hotel for putting a roof over our head in, in heavy rain. <laughs> and Morris himself being a great host. He was. Yeah. He was, he was, because the people we had lined up for interview, such as life in the business world, that they were pulled away from us variously, but then were able to return to us again. Um... Can I talk to you about the festival I was going to? You can indeed. I to briefly earlier. This is, it's really unusual. Now, the interview we had lined up, both of us, was James Harnett, who's the, the town underca- undertaker. undertaker. Yep. But such is life and death that uh, poor James was pulled away from us to attend to his own very serious business. And full and fair respect to the families who were bereaved this week. So the heroic Maurice O'Connell steps into his shoes again. Because Abbey Field Council has a lot to do with respect to supporting this festival, whose formal title is the Harnet Reunion International. 
Now, the context for this is it's classed as a four day program of events that began on our day revival, July 12th, and should have wrapped up then by the Sunday with its many events, concerts, genealogy workshops and an exhibition of collectibles dating back to the past. And we'll have some fun with that later. But truthfully speaking, Marius is able to tell us that people travelled from various continents who were connected to the Hartnett name. They pack in the Wild Atlantic Way and the Shannon Estuary Loop extension. And Abbeyfield makes a base for all of this because we're central, sorted, friendly, and there's plenty of trad music playing in the town and plenty of good food. We found that out as well. Um, inevitably, he says, the financial spend for the town is vitiating and the place looks amazing, singing good cheer from banners and flags as much as any Irish ballads. So the origins of the Hartnett uh, Reunion International, he, he, he puts it in this sort of context. It comes from a very laid back get together that you know happened about six or seven years ago. Then the success of the gathering led by Tim O'Donnell in 2013 seems to have galvanised all of that. And it showcased Ireland and our individual families and clans to people in a way that people from overseas, they came to build their summer holidays or maybe save and, you know, put in a, a far bigger investment in the emotional attraction as well as seeing the countryside. So festival founder and local undertaker James Harnett is also involved with the Abbey Council. And we brought it up at one of the meetings that we were one of the first towns in the country to focus tourism around genealogy. And I know that they were looking to the Harnet name particularly for themselves, but really this could be a blueprint for any genealogy festival in the country. And he makes the point to us that at least 50 individuals who have never been to Ireland before have travelled to Abbeyfield and the hinterland for this specific festival. And they're here from India, Italy, Australia, Hawaii, New Zealand, Canada, USA, Northern Ireland and the UK. Now that's fabulous. Some of them could trace their ancestors back 300 years. Wow. And some are sort of flailing in the wind for some sort of connection yeah. to join in on this hoolie. But look, it's all amazing stuff. And again, we hear that Abbeyfield Local Council has worked closely with the Harnet Gathering Committee and with West Limerick Resources to get some funding to get this, this thrill of an event off the ground. But the Irish diaspora is so massive. You'd expect this to be happening more, but for that to be the first focused on genealogy is interesting isn't it yeah. and and that it's and thank god and our weather is good this year yeah but it's grown to at least 50 new arrivals who obviously aren't going to come for four days came yeah, invested yeah. in two or three weeks yeah and then there's all the parties and the concerts and the get together and the eating out and we'll tour the greenway and we we'll tour the estuary loop lynn to tarbert and over to Kalimer and back up to bunratty and stuff like that so it's look it's all great stuff for us. and it's nice having them visit this side of the country instead of landing in say dublin or just going straight to kerry they're actually stopping in these villages around Limerick. No, did I ever hear a, a Waterford man talk like that? Or not <laughs> I, I think you're slowly, slowly getting fond of his keen, are you? I think so. You're growing on me, Rose. Okay, now I'm super, super excited about this report from Abby Field. Okay. Uh, listener, it's like this. For reasons I can't explain, my best friends in journalism in Limerick have been sports writers. Men out there, you know who you are, right? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm the first to say I know zilch about sport. You know, okay, I can tell a Camogie stick from my hurley on a good day, but that's it. So I bring you my first ever sports report. <laughs> it's that momentous, right? And the man I have to thank for this 
is Mr. Michael O'Brien. He's a, he's a Tipperary man himself by way of Emily, he married and firmly husband and father down in Abbey Field. He's chair of the Abbey Field Ladies Football Club, but he's well qualified to speak about women and women and girls in the sport um, and every other sport around the area because he, like various other volunteer coaches, he cross trains. Yeah. So Mike was good enough to hang around while other interviews were spinning on. <laughs> <laughs> Minded his own business with a cup of tea. Wouldn't take any further hospitality for us. And then launched into a terrifically positive overview. And even when I put it to him, look, all kids are sporty, even myself, right? And then we go into teens and what he calls very nicely, in quote marks, the challenging years. <laughs> and the more than we drift away from piano, we drift away from sport because we can excuse back to our parents. But look, it's the intercert are, yeah. you know, really it's boys and Radio Luxembourg on our mind. <laughs> okay. But he says, no, they have a great record in keeping the girls on board into their senior years. And he's especially proud of the older girls, the, the, the football club. We're, we're talking about GA now, right? They trained right up to two weeks before their leaving cert, sat their leaving cert, and we're back training again. And he says, look, training, it's, it's, it's not for wussies. Yeah. It's twice a week for an hour to an, an hour and 15 minutes. And bear in mind, you know, he's, his catchment is from the, the rural hinterland. People have to travel. Two, two training. I almost, God forgive me, I almost called it rehearsal. <laughs> too busy at the arts. They have to travel far to train and get home again. So you have parents and guardians spinning around to the background and all their brothers and sisters, like literally spinning wheels around the tracks while the girls get their game on, you know? That's some serious dedication from everyone really in the, in the count or town. That's and, his and point. surrounding areas, you know. That's his point. No, I used to proofread sports pages for Dan O'Sullivan, God rest his soul, when he used to work here before <laughs> absconding to an unnamed rival, the traitor. And Dan was a, is an extraordinary supporter of women in sport. And he would give it column inches and column inches, which is unusual. Yeah. But he was editor. He had discretion. And I would congratulate him regularly on this because I had cited the copy before Winter Press. And Rose, he'd always look to me, you know, and say... Rose, it's the same passion. It's the same commitment. Nothing like the same money, if any same money. Of course, we write them up in the yeah. post. Absolutely. And he was architect of that. Um, Mike O'Brien is behind the scenes, remember. He's not on the pitch. And he tells us that furthermore, you know, each team in, in the in the GEA um, side of things would have around 15 coaches. And that's on par with their far higher profile male peers who are renowned for, for their hurling. Right. He says the passion is equal and their commitment is never in doubt. But there's much more than GEA going on. Right. Girls sport in general is well covered in, in Abbey Field. The soccer club, Abbey Field United, has girls playing right up to adult level as well. As with football, as in as with GA, we have teams from the under eights uh, upwards, and the lady soccer team has as well. There's an active lady section in the rugby club, which I never knew. They're called Abbey Field RFC. They played under 14, under 18, and under 16 this year. And he, then we have a bit of fun because he says, you know, as with all sporty people, their girls are crossover. So he has footballers playing soccer. 
as well and and some of them playing rugby which is which is sort of great jesus i mean does anybody do their books at all, <laughs> at all anymore it's all just about i'm just stupid the leaving cert none of that at navy field are far too smart but we're not over yet keen there's another sport which i hadn't realized was so big down there he tells us michael bryan goes back to telling us that camogie it's run out of temple glentine and turn it's just like just just to hop up the road yeah. right two separate teams and they really enjoy the rivalry. <laughs> and he says, look, the slice of the ball slice, slices harder still. You consider you would have two ladies who play football together playing camogie against each other. That could be a, a bit dangerous <laughs> on the pitch. Well, look, guys are no way up to this multitasking. I've never heard this about men's sport. And look, we're not done yet. There's another club again and another sport. Um, he rounds up by telling us there's a basketball club, St. Joseph's, and that's based in Dua, which he had to explain to me is only five miles south of the Kerry border. So there's a huge mix of match be, be over and cross. Uh, you'd have a lot of girls in this area playing football. So, you know, Abbey Field Boo, lady sport, Mike tells us, is very, very well covered here. And I'm very much of a believer, he says, that the sports feed off each other. Brilliant. Now, Keen, my first sports report. Please tell me I get a medal. You get more than a medal. I'll give you a trophy, Rose. I think you can expect it on your desk in the next few days. (laughs) (laughs) Rose, thanks very much for joining me today. A real joy. And you know I dread these podcasts. They always have to pull me into and I do everything to bring it off and I pick myself up about them. But Christ, happy feeling. I really love you. Rose, thank you. So that's it for this week's Limerick Post News Roundup. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt. I'd like to thank our journalist, Bernie English, for joining me, Megan Scully from the Limerick Post Show, Rose Rush for her feature on Abbey Field, and John Keogh from Sporting Limerick. To keep up to date with all Limerick news, visit limerickpost.ie or follow the hashtag keepinglimerickposted across all social media channels. On limerickpost.ie, you'll find more podcasts, videos, news, home and living, sports news, pets, and much, much more. We really are keeping Limerick posted.